there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Yeah, at the Truth About Cancer uh, Awards Gala, we uh, all of our buddies were hanging out together and we're going, "Where's Rashid? Oh, he's too busy for us." But uh, we, you were, you were missed. What? And that's a good thing. If somebody's missing you, that means they, they're loving you. Probably that's that's, uh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, "Gosh darn it, it's so good that Rashid isn't here." No, no one said that. <laughs> But maybe Ty. No, no, he even he didn't even say it. So we had a good time. Uh, uh, great uh, support for a lot of good organizations that you know were uh, really genuinely helping folks with cancer and other chronic diseases uh, to get well, as opposed to throwing money down a research rat hole to never find a cure. And of course, uh, these are some of the controversies that we continue or persist here in these United States. One particular controversy we just covered last hour, Doctor Batar, was about. You, we, you know, we've talked about SB 277 that mandates vaccination if you want to send your kids to public or private school in California. Mm-hmm. But now SB 18, Richard Pan, the pediatrician senator from California, wants to expand all of these rights that are not in the Constitution, nor do they come from God, on children so that the California state government can take children away from parents who they disagree with. So that there's a lot of reasons to get out of California, including the fact that uh, we have a story here about radiation from Fukushima reaching the West Coast of America, actually detected. And this is on NaturalSociety.com, but still the mainstream media is uh, refusing to acknowledge anything like this. Yeah, Fukushima has been a, a major issue, and, and I think that, like you said, not only mainstream media, but even the people that have been, um, that people that have talked about the importance of uh, recognizing what's happened from Fukushima, and you know, the bottom line is that it's irreversibly changed the course of history. I mean, the plant's never going to be the same. But even those people that have been, um, that have had a voice and that have tried to make the rest of the world aware of what's going on, have been really shut down. So it's not just mainstream media's. Uh, reluctance to cover this, but also the proactive efforts to stop the people that are talking about this. A uh, perfect example is uh, I have a number of patients from Japan, and one of those patients that has lived in Japan for 22 years who moved back to the States told me that there was actually a law that had been passed since the earthquake in 2011 that anybody who would publicly talk about the incidence of cancer since um I think it's March 11, 2011, or, Mar- or May 11, 2011, when Fukushima occurred, that if anybody talks about the incidence of leukemia, um, it was either leukemia or cancer, I can't remember which one, whether it was general cancer or specifically from leukemia, they would be put in jail. And he said this was like a, a gag order that had been issued, and they don't want the media talking about it at all, but reportedly over a half a million new cases of leukemia in Japan every year since 2011. Ugh, it's it's absolutely stunning, and you know, I, speaking of again the California effect, right? We got listeners all over the world in Japan too, I'm sure. But for those on the West Coast, 
I, I think, for instance, what's happening in California, I try to look on the bright side despite, like, I don't like the idea of government in any way, shape, or form pretending it knows what to do for your kids better than you do as mom and dad. But maybe, just maybe, and I might be over-interpreting, over-analyzing this, that all of these things are encouraging the awake and alive and conscious Californians to get out. Like, I warned you, I told you, I'm letting these California Democrats tell you that you don't own your own kids. When is it going to be enough for you to go just pack up and get out? And I know it's not easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy for folks to do that who have their whole life there. But I just wonder, you know, at a certain point, when do you call it a clue after clue after clue to say maybe it's time to get out? Robert, you know, that's a question that many people, including within our own immediate circle, we've had people that have answered those type of questions, not specifically about California, but just specifically about wherever they are and and finding a um uh, an area that may be better suited, and there's that old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. But look at California specifically. Over the last 20 years, there's been a massive efflux out of California and towards other places, especially towards the southeast. But, um, you know, it's got the problem with the air quality. You've got the problem with the water. You've got uh, things like Nostradamus' prophecy that, you know, if you want to buy really – uh, high value. Well, he didn't predict this, but this is what people have interpreted that if you want to buy a great beachfront property, start buying in Arizona and Nevada because, you know, California's going to slough off into the ocean and all these other types of silly things that people have said. Well, who knows whether they're silly or not, but the point is there's been a massive efflux out of California for many reasons in water, um, quality of air, uh, economic uh, opportunity, and such. There's, there's been over the last 20 years, I know in North Carolina, there's a lot of people that keep on coming in, and they're coming from predominantly California and then secondarily from New York and, and the Northeast. But most of them are citing other reasons than the vaccine issue. But I think that if you have children, this would probably be the most prevalent of all the issues. Uh, you know, freedom, fundamental freedoms of the parents to decide what's best for the children. I think that this would be the fundamental principles that would that would drive me out of there if I lived there. I would have to say that the SB 18 we just talked about last hour has got to be like the parents' last stand, like Custer's last stand. Uh, if this, if you don't stop this from happening, you know, it's beyond a clue. At that point, you can't see what's happened in California. It's gone. And there's no longer uh, parental freedom and parental rights, much less rights of children to be cared for by their own parents. Uh, so that's an ongoing concern for us here on the Robert Scott Bell Show because we have a lot, I know we have a lot of listeners in California. Now, we have a, uh, a new segment uh, here at uh, Dr. Batar. I don't think you've heard, and it, it happens to cover things like, well, that you and I have been saying for years, right? We might be 20, 30 years ahead of where a lot in the medical community, certainly where the mainstream media or government is. And it isn't because we're so super smart. We just happen to pay attention. We happen to read. We happen to observe, and we've reported it in spite of being – uh, sometimes ostracized by our peers or attacked even like you have been uh, by the medical community. You didn't back down. You don't operate in fear. But every once in a while, uh, we get to uh, uh, let them have it too. And hold on a sec. I got to. You're going to like this. Super Don put this together. It's really nice. But every once in a while, well, we get you to play that, yeah. Robert. I just want to say. I want to just add to that. I think it is also because we are more smart. We are you, more okay. Smart. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We are a little bit smart. We're more smart. <laughs> All right, with that, here we go, the theme song, Because We Told You So. Yeah, well, I don't want to sound like a d- but I told you so. I told you so. Oh, I told you so. 
A newspaper in the United Kingdom is reporting that fat is actually good for you. New research says cheese and cream can actually be used to prevent diabetes and heart risk. Oh, the shock. Oh, the horror. I think they're going to have a heart attack just over the fact that how wrong they are in telling us we should all be afraid of fat, Dr. Batar. Yeah, fats are like one of the most important things, the right fats. Obviously, we're not talking about the wrong fats. There's a difference between the right fats and the wrong fats. But, yeah, this is something that for at least two and a half decades, um, I have told patients that, in fact, in, in the book we talked about this, and this is one of the things that, you know, principles I went back to before I even opened my office. Um, margarine, the two things I tell people not to eat are pork because it's genetically 83 to 86% identical to the, to the human a genetic code, and the other thing is margarine. Now, tell them margarine is great to use for axle grease in your car, but it should not be consumed. And, um, you know, when people say, well, what should I eat? Well, butter. Butter is, you know, one of the best things, or, or clarified butter, which is ghee, or mm-hmm. coconut oil, or olive, extra virgin olive oil, and there's many other types of great fats to, to use. So now they're coming out and saying something like cheese and cream, which, again, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with cheese and there's nothing wrong with cream as long as it's not pasteurized and homogenized and, you know, all the other... Well, com- coming from and- factory-farmed animals, but the thing about this, Dr. Right. Batar, is it's saturated fat. So when you say good fats, we're for good fats, people are programmed like robots to believe saturated fat is a bad fat. Perfect example of how strong the media is and what they will blind people towards, you know, they... they, they they basically blind them to the truth, and then it's propaganda and misinformation and perpetuation of myths. But you're absolutely right. This, the saturated fats are, are good for the body. The, the right type of saturated fats are, are essential for the body, and they will prevent diabetes. They have a significant um, impact on sensitizing the cell membrane to the effects of insulin. So the insulin does not have to be as high, and it drives the sugar into the cell. So the insulin's job is to drive glucose intercellularly and if you have the cell membrane that is more sensitive to the effects of insulin then you don't need as much insulin and so you become more insulin sensitive and of course we know that insulin and all the newest research shows that it's insulin uh, higher insulin levels hyperinsulinemia that leads to cardiovascular disease and diabetes etc yeah once again embrace the fat folks uh this is something that's so very important and vitally disastrous if you will in the 20th century that is still bleeds over into the 21st this idea that saturated fat is bad for you again the quality of the fat is good is very important we're not saying now rush out and eat a fast food burger from a uh, commercially grown factory farm CAFO operated farmer that's not even a farmer anymore these are factories putting out things they call food but when you talk about eating saturated fat even from animals if the animals are raised in a clean way the fat will be clean and healthy for you. Although if you don't like uh, animal-based saturated fat, coconut oil is also another good source of saturated fat. Yeah, coconut oil is fantastic. Macadamia oil is also mm-hmm. good. Obviously olive oil. But yeah, coconut oil is probably the best when it comes to a non-animal source. And then butter or, or ghee, which is clarified butter, if it's an animal source. Yep, and they even reference uh, manufactured fats like margarine, highly refined oils, and trans fats, how those are really the great danger, as you've been saying and I've been saying, and those that have been ostracized you know, out of the medical profession to say that you know, fat is good for you. How dare you say that? What do you want to do, give your patients a heart attack? No, we want to prevent them from having a heart attack, and that means embracing healthy fat. 
and fat is not evil. It's what's in the fat and where it comes from that matters. So pay attention to that, folks. This is the advanced about medicine. Vitamin K2. Which, vitamin K2? Oh, sorry, Robert. I'll come, come back. I was going to talk about vitamin K2 for a second. All right. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Dr. Rasha Bittar is here as he is each and every week to kick it off doing advanced medicine. If you miss a show, GCN, our syndicator, uh, basically has it in archives pretty quickly. You can also go to medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com, hundreds and hundreds of hours of great advanced medicine discussions with Dr. Bittar. So when we come back, the vitamin K2 aspect of this after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. For those of you new to the advanced medicine segments of the Robert Scott Bell Show, we have Dr. Rasha Bittar. He's author of the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, also one of the featured uh, doctors in The Truth About Cancer, also the Ultimate Life Symposium. If you haven't plugged into that, links are up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com. We're just talking about how stunning it is to see a mainstream news article that recognizes fat is actually good for you and differentiates between real bad fats versus saying saturated fat is bad just because it's saturated. And, you know, yet there's other layers, no pun intended, to the fat discussion you were just about to get into before the break. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, you know, when it comes down to being a vegetarian or not, and we've, I think, Robert, you and I are on the same sheet of music like the, uh, regarding this subject. When you start looking at saturated fats, one of the biggest arguments against eating saturated fats is because uh, saturated fats, animal, animals, uh, animal sources of food are high in saturated fats. But there's certain things that we do not get from non-animal source foods, um, and some of those things are. Um, things like conjugated linoleic acid or um, vitamin K2, for example, predominantly found in animal source proteins and high in cheese, in certain types of cheeses and butter and dairy and eggs. That's where you get vitamin K2, and vitamin K2 has been shown. There's a couple of different sources of vitamin K2 or different types, subtypes of vitamin K2. There's MK4, there's a, there's a MK7, I think there's MK5, but MK7 is the one that's been found to be the most beneficial, but vitamin K2 predominantly comes from animal source um, foods. So when we start talking about saturated fats and non-saturated fats, and, you know, they'll take that into the, into the argument of the types of, um, not that we were talking about animal source foods or plant-based foods, but I have long said that if we were not meant to consume both um, meat and plants, then we would not have these incisors. Um, we are omnivores. We're not herbivores, exclusively plant eaters, and we're not carnivores, exclusively meat eaters. We were designed to eat both. And I think that if we start to remember uh, as, as humans that if we go back to what our ancestors ate, go, go back to more of a paleolithic type diet, I think that we would be um, healthier as a species to eat raw, eat more um, varied diet to eat things that are naturally occurring as opposed to, of course, all these synthetics that we're talking about. And, and this, this, this particular article coming back to the saturated fats, um, you know, the, it's, it's actually part and parcel of our paleolithic diet because saturated fats was a, a high source of consumption 
among our ancestors. So again, it comes back to the same thing, just do what we were designed to do and what we have uh, historically done, and we should be we should do well. Yeah, fat basically does not make you fat, and it doesn't even make you have a heart attack. We've talked about the inflammatory cascades from eating, uh, well, maybe animals, but even vegetarian source foods loaded with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and, you know, of course, the biggies in heavy metals, including mercury, that these are really the sources of inflammatory cascades within the body anywhere, neurological, vascular as well endocrine there's no system that's not impacted by these as you call them persistent persistent organic pollutants in addition to the heavy metals yep and you start looking at some of the oils um robert that you know the the rancid oils that are out there there's the market and and people sell them under the pretense of being healthy fats but like corn oil um that, that is not a healthy oil to be consuming and yes it's plant-based and so again there's a lot of misinformation propaganda all the um Substitutes for butter, for example, all the all the margins, all the uh, vegetable, what do they call it, vegetable oil spreads? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Vegetable oil spreads. These are all substances that are not healthy, and they're consumed on large scales and and propagated as healthful eating. And um, it's a shame, but you know, hopefully, at least our listeners are, are aware of it, and, and I'm sure people that are reading these documents, like this article that are coming out, and people that are aware, they know that eating saturated fats, eating the healthy, proper saturated fats, is good. There's nothing wrong with eating eggs. There's nothing wrong with eating butter. This is These are all healthy things, and these are things that you should consume to be getting exactly what your body needs. Now, the question is, will people extrapolate and realize they've been eating fake fat because they've been getting fake news, right? The mainstream uh-huh. news organizations promoting diets that are deadly, as opposed to the holistically inclined physicians from all backgrounds saying, you know what, you need to eat the food as it's been grown for thousands of years or roam the planet, as opposed to what is coming in the grocer's freezer or in boxes in the center aisles of a grocery store. Folks, we're doing more advanced medicine when we come back. We might have some more discussion of uh, the Russian invasion. What is that? Was Did they really hack our election results? Also, Uh, Some interesting things about sugar and cocaine for kids post-vaccination. Yeah, I'm not kidding. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. 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 Oh, it's so sweet. They're helping little babies who are agony and pain by giving them a spoonful of sugar along with rubbing a cocaine derivative on their arm post-vaccination. Good Lord, Dr. Batar. Ah, man. This is this is called medicine. It's called modern medicine. You know, it's it's amazing that they're coming up with these things to do post vaccination. How about just not giving them a poison? How about just not giving the vaccination? You won't have to do any of this crap. Well, of course, Doctor Batar, if you were in California, they would take away your children for for saying such an outrageous thing. I know they could try. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. That's my message to parents of California. 
go ahead, make my day. I've got like a Dr. Yeah. Dr. Batar, our buddy Michael Bednarik says, I got a 45, you bring a syringe, we'll see who makes a bigger hole. You don't mess with my kids. But yet their answer to vaccine paint is a spoonful of sugar and rubbing an anesthetic cream based on cocaine. It could be lidocaine or whatever. But to your point, just don't give them the poison. They won't have the paint. You know, it's amazing that even with things like the, the movie Vax that came out, and so much other proof now with the William Thompson uh, testimony, the CDC whistleblower with Dr. Brian Hooker put that information out, and all these other things that are that have come out. You would think that whoever tries to say that vaccines are something that people should be doing would be concerned about compromising their own integrity, and yet they still go out there and do it. And I think this comes back to the the reason that Mike Adams put out this recent video about the mainstream media and, and really talks about how much the mainstream media has contributed to, um, he actually goes out and says treason. He actually says that what the mainstream media is doing is committing treason because it is perpetuating and propagating information that is unpatriotic, that is untrue, that is unconstitutional, that is against the freedoms of the people. And I thought, I thought it was a very good message. But this is really what it comes down to, because, you know, when you start looking at the vaccine issue, it's a violation of the fundamental premise of freedom, that you as a sovereign human being have the right to decide what's best for your own family, for your own self, for your own body, for your own children. And now they're coming up with, I mean, cocaine, and, I mean, geez, this is to, to, to counteract the side effects of a poison. So let's give one poison... Uh, to counteract the effects of another poison. Right. And even even the, the one poison is sugar. Sugar is a poison. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're saying, well, we need to give it... a non-sustainable thought process, Robert. Uh, it's just, it, you know, these people are lost. We need to give the dose of sugar in small portions around a minute before giving them a shot, and then again just before each additional shot. The fact that they would give more than one at a time, much less one at all. I mean, they're lost. These people are absolutely lost. Well, this is why it becomes very important that we take um, certain precautions to make sure that our children are protected. You know, one of the things um, my own children were taught, that if somebody tries to come towards you with a needle, you know, what are you supposed to do? And Rahan, when he was five years old, would tell you, you know, kick them in the pee-pee and say, stranger danger. (laughs) danger." (laughs) That is such a good training. Kick them in the, yeah, where the sun don't shine and stranger danger. Uh, and then run for mommy or daddy if you can. Uh, and it's interesting, the last paragraph of this article, we're not making this up, folks. You can read it. Links are up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com. Although the results are not compelling from this current study, we still know what treatments help babies during vaccinations. These include, listen to the first one, breastfeeding, sugar water, anesthetic creams, as well as distraction. Now, the first one, breastfeeding, should be all you need, and you don't need vaccines because that's what's providing exactly. immunity for mommy. Exactly. <laughs> they don't and that's see fundamental, it. basic, you know, level immunology 101. Yeah. Maternal amalgams, uh, maternal um, uh, antibodies, IgG or, you know, IgM, which is the maternal antibodies that are, that come through the placenta um, before the child's born. And then once the child's born through the breast milk, and that is what provides essentially all the immunity for a newborn till the first six months of age. And that's all any human being needs. That's how we have survived on the planet for the thousands of years that we've been here. 
Yeah. And that's how it, all animals survive. You know, they didn't need vaccinations before in the last 100 years. What did we do before vaccinations? Right. And now we find out 15% of all U.S. adults take psychiatric drugs. I mean, I wonder if this is because their parents sacrificed them on the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism vaccine division. I mean, that's trauma alone on top of whatever else. You know, Super Don and I were talking about this earlier, too. It's like, you know, if you had to go hunt for your food and grow your own food, you'd have no time to be depressed. You would be dead. (laughs) That's true. It's a very true statement. I mean, modern living has given us so much free time that we can just contemplate on our navel in a negative way and say, oh, I don't like my navel, I'm depressed. And, and granted, there are genuine abusive situations that occur that could drive people into being very depressed. I, I get that. But at the same time, 15% of all American adults, Super Don thinks that might be a low number. I think, I think Super Don's right, because I remember reading a number of years ago that one out of every two Americans um, at some point would have... Uh, been prescribed an antidepressant, whether they take it or not, I don't know. And then also that um, the, the antidepressant medications are the most prescribed medication in North America. So I think that maybe Super Don's right, that it, it is an underestimate of the numbers. But Robert, you know, one other thing besides just like what you said, if people had to go out and hunt and find their own food, gather their own food, they wouldn't have time for depression. But let's look at the other part, too. And that is people are sick. They go to the doctors. The doctors do a workup. They look at the blood work. They say, there's nothing wrong. They say, well, it's all in your head. Here, take this antidepressant drug. Yet these people are sick. They have reactions that are going on. They have subclinical infections. They have heavy metal toxicity. They have the persistent organic pollutants. They have all these different things that are going on that modern medicine doesn't pick up on. Then because they can't pick it up, because they don't know which rock to turn over to see what the problem is, what the pathology is, they tell the patient there's something wrong with you in your head. Here, take this antidepressant. You'll feel better. But here's the bottom line. If, you're, if you really have heavy metal toxicity or you have persistent organic pollutants or you have these other problems and you keep on going to doctor after doctor and they all tell you that there's, something, there's nothing wrong with you and there's something wrong with your head, well, if I was feeling bad, I would be depressed too. Yeah. I mean, depression happens because a person is sick. And, yes, I think that you're right. There's probably a lot of people that are depressed for, because of their Internet went out and their PDAs aren't working or because their nose isn't perfect so they, you know, their plastic surgeon had to postpone their rhinoplasty for another month or something, so maybe they're depressed then. And I, I agree with you. There are people like that, but I think that's probably a smaller um, group of people than the people that are really sick, that have yes. dental amalgams in their mouth, and they're outgassing at five to nine nanograms per deciliter per tooth per day, and they're toxic. And, you know, mm-hmm. the CDC's numbers, one out of six women of childbearing age in the United States are mercury toxic. So what about these people that are legitimately ill, but modern diagnosis and modern medicine does not recognize their pathology, and so they because they don't know what else to do, but because they're too ignorant to know what the right answer is, it's put them an antidepressant. And so right. it perpetuates another problem. How many, how many in this percentage are, are suffering from heavy metal burdens, mercury in particular? You're absolutely right. By the way, this was published in the JAMA Internal Medicine uh, December 12th, so today. This just came out. This is very new. And they list the top 10 drugs, the anti-anxieties, uh, the antidepressants, um, they said that the vast majority of preponderance of prescriptions are now coming from outside of the psychiatric profession. As you said, people are coming into regular doctor after regular doctor, and they're going, well, we don't know what's wrong. Here, take the Zoloft. Yep. So the doctor's just trying to get some type of a temporary solution. He just wants to, in medicine, we call it buff and turf. They want to buff the patient and turf them, get them out of their clinic, or get them out of their ER. Wow. So that's a yep. medicine of... Uh, you know, it's, this is it's what like happens a, a when medicine. 
has a monopoly and there's no real competition, there's no innovation, there's no folks that are speaking up and saying, you know what, we can do better or I can do better. And, of course, those that do are attacked, just as you've done with advanced medicine. But uh, you continue to thrive and help others to thrive, and that's why it's uh, such a great time to get together each week to do this. Now, uh, maybe people are depressed because uh, the mainstream media is saying the Russians hacked our election. Oh, my gosh. President Putin or President Trump? What's the difference? <laughs> you know, this, I don't know whether you've been as shocked by this as I am, but to me, um, you know, during the break when we kind of briefly mentioned that we want to talk about this, you know, the, to me the first thing is, what did the Russians do if they really did hack the election? They hacked into the Democratic Committee's uh, email system and they released information that was true. So why don't we talk about the fact that all they did was open up the blinders so people could actually see what the truth was. How is that considered hacking an election? Yeah, that's a very good... That. Very good point. Whether it was WikiLeaks or any of these organizations or Assange, whatever you want to say, if the Russians had a part in it, what 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 happened? We should actually be saying thank you. You've actually shown exactly. us what our own government was doing and hiding, our shadow exactly. government. Exactly. And then so, you brought up the point about about the CIA. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, whatever I mentioned. The Russians are doing? They learned from us. Exactly. I mentioned this. I said, you know, because uh, somebody posted this breaking news meme with, uh, what's the guy's name from CNN, Super Don Gloria Vanderbilt's son? Uh, Anderson, Anderson Cooper? Anderson Cooper, right. They have yeah. a picture of him saying, breaking news, we're now reporting that any news outlet that challenges our narrative is part of a Russian spy agency. We don't have any proof of this. We're just reporting it. But some people say, hey, there is proof. We have proof. Guess who? Guess we got proof. I say, where'd you get it from? Oh, the CIA. Oh, you mean the organization that's been hacking democracies and toppling leaders of governments for decades and placing puppets in? Oh, yeah, that's the one that's <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, you got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, are, they are the ones that, um, when you start looking at the Afghanistan war and people forget about Afghanistan and they try to figure out, you know, what, where all that started. Well, the Osama bin Laden was a CIA-trained operative that was put in place by our government in Afghanistan when Russia was in Afghanistan. In fact, there were movies, like there was a Rambo movie made that where Rambo mm -hmm. goes into Afghanistan to help liberate the Mujahideen from the uh, Russian um, invaders. And right. so then what happened? Well, Afghanistan got rid of the Russian invaders, and what happened? Then we came in. We became the invaders. The United they States turned on us. So exactly. exactly. They, they gladly took our help when the Russians took, you know, took them on. It's like, well, we'll take their money. We'll take their weapons. We'll go out. They're gone. Oh, who's still here? Get the hell out of our country, right? Well, folks, if you right. don't understand the basic concept of do not encroach on other persons or their property, maybe you should read Richard Mayberry's great book, Whatever Happened to Justice. Basic two laws. Do not encroach on other persons or their property. Do all you have agreed to do, by the way, is the first thing, contract law. All right, we've got one more segment of advanced medicine. And uh, let's see, what are we going to do? Uh, Tammy flu, we got scammy flu, we got breast cancer. I don't know, we'll fill it with something. It's advanced medicine. We can go anywhere. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Mm. 
All right, Advanced Medicine continues here. Mary had a question for you, Dr. Batar, real quick. Um, she, this is, we've talked about this before. Uh, Husband-wife situation, a child, this one, 11-year-old, autistic already. And they're getting a divorce, apparently, and the husband filed a complaint to get sole legal custody because she doesn't want to vaccinate anymore. And it's like, I want them to contact, uh, Super Don, do we have the, the uh, was it um, Alan Phillips' website, vaccinelawyer.com or something? What was it? No, I believe it's, va- let me just triple vaccine. check this here, but I think it's va- vaccinerights.com. Dot com. Yeah, vaccinerights.com. But seriously, you know, we talk about when you get married, you could be of a different religion, all kinds of different views, but you better be on the same page with vaccines or else when the kids come, it's going to be butt ugly. Mm-hmm. That's a very true That's a very true statement. That's one of the most polarizing things, uh, More probably the most polarizing thing that families have to deal with. Um, and I read the question that was posed, and I guess... Um, the mom's pretty confident in one part of it. It's just a vaccine issue and how to defend that. And I would, I would probably encourage her to uh, get a copy of the movie Vax, maybe get um, Sherry Tenton's books, um, show, show the judge enough evidence that there is a counterpoint to this, and it is not negligence, but perhaps uh, being more evolved and more aware than the general public is. And again, you know, these judges are reasonable people. And if they can see uh, another argument, they're not going to necessarily agree or disagree with what the thought process is. But if they can see that there is a thought process out there that's been substantiated and that has been researched and that there are other people that have voiced the same opinion and there's um, um, opinion in, in the general consensus, you know, that supports this argument, then it's going to be the same thing as whether you believe that you know, you should be a Catholic or a Protestant or, a, you know, Muslim or a Jew, whatever, or, you know, eat with your right hand or left hand or whatever else, you know. Whatever sure. Whatever. I'm a little bit more concerned about the bias of the courts against parents who don't vaccinate because of the, you know, the overall, that's what we see here. So that's why I bring up Alan Phillips and VaccineRights.com because he actually deals with these cases all the time. He's a nice man and really is caring and concerned, and he's teaching people what to do here as well. So look at that as a nuance as well, Mary. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Robert, I would say that I, I disagree with you that I don't think it's a, it's a court issue. I think it's parents that end up um, giving up their own rights uh, as opposed to being very adamant and belligerent in their defense. Their because, yeah. yeah, I think the courts the courts are impartial to it. They, they just if, if the presenting argument is that the parent was negligent because they didn't do X, Y and Z and the parent doesn't defend themselves adequately, then the court has no other choice but to come to the same conclusion. But if the parent can be very in your face and say, look, here's the research, here's the documentation, you're not going to poison my son, blah, blah, blah. The court's going to back and say, wait a second, here's a parent that's, you know, they seem very passionate, they seem like they love their child, so let me look at this, and they're going to look at it, and they're going to basically tell, I mean, because I've, I've had this happen in my own practice with parents, and it really comes down to the courts have never been against the argument. It's always been when a parent is apathetic or, you know, they look sure. at themselves as victims and, and sit back. You have to be proactive. It's got to be that same argument that you have, you know, let's yep. the gun and, Stand up and be belligerent in defense of your rights and defense of your children. Very, very. That's the theme of today, if ever there was one. So, all right. Last, last um, couple of minutes here before we break. Uh, some breast cancer drugs and blood vessel damage. We're talking about aromatase inhibitors, things to block the uh, development of estrogen internally, creating cardiovascular damage. Yeah. So this is not a new concept, and it's been. 
um, utilized for a long time uh, aromatase inhibition. The the question is though any substitute any drug in this conversation for what, what we're about to talk about now. Um, there's always a reason that a drug is put out there, but that's usually based upon something that was observed uh, with a natural element. And then they try to isolate that natural element um, and try to create a drug out of it and patent it. But the problem is it's never in the original source, never the, the whole component. It's never like you take out a certain component of, of apple pectin, for example, and then you don't get the same results as actually eating the apples. And then people say you'd have to eat, you know, 40 bushels of apples to get the same effect, et cetera, et cetera. The point being that these drugs that we create are we isolate one component that we see occurring. Well, and they, they yeah, then you get benefit. nasty effects that the natural part doesn't. What were the quick options for people that are wanting to uh, reduce the estrogen? What was you, you mentioned off the air? Yeah, Norwegian uh, spruce uh, extract ligands from that. Um, there's a. Uh, Chrysin, there's a couple of different things out there. And sorry, Robert, I didn't realize we were so close. Yeah, no, no problem. Flax lignans as well. But anyway, Dr. Batar, another great advanced medicine segment. Check out medicalrewind.com or all the other podcasts linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You know what to say, Dr. Batar. Let them have it. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 